It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome back to the Flow Track Podcast. I'm Kevin. He's Gordon. Actually, Gordon's adjusting his camera, so let me make sure. Yes, that is, in fact, Gordon. Good morning. How are you doing, sir? Good morning. I'm um, doing great. Uh, last talked to you yesterday. We're, we, for <laughs> those who didn't listen to the podcast yesterday, because you know you might miss a podcast, we're now only doing three days a week instead of five. Uh, we'll do Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Moving forward. Reason why our boy Lincoln isn't with us anymore. He didn't die. He just has decided Correct. to go on to greener pastures, uh, working with his wife's art company or art business, or just her because she's the artist, uh, helping her sell the art. So <laughs> no more Lincoln on the pod, which is unfortunate because he was a highlight of my day whenever I get to do a podcast with him. So. Mm-hmm. If you want to listen to the previous pod, we do a couple memories with him. And uh, yeah, just want to tell people if they didn't listen yesterday's pod. Sure, sure. Yeah. Well, the other reason we're moving to three days a week is because it's going to be slow for the next couple months. So we, there's a possibility though, we'll pick it back up to its normally scheduled five days a week once track really gets going. But you and I talked, we think we can pace it out. To where with three days a week, we can hit everything that we need to hit, especially right now in the slow times. And then even when races start coming back, we can always recap stuff on Monday and then Friday preview what's going to happen. And then that gives us flexibility during the middle of the week to discuss any any news. So I think we'll be able to capture it all with three days a week. Now that I think back on it, five days a week <laughs> with for a running podcast – when most of the sport was canceled was just a really bold plan on our part. Yeah. I mean, it took us to do 220 episodes for us to realize, Hey, maybe we can take a day off. Like, especially when there is a pandemic going on and there's no one running. So, I mean, the fact that we're able to do 220 straight podcasts and not have any dead air, I think that's pretty good. I don't know. That should be our one. No, it was was good. And if, if I went back and looked at it, there'd probably, I'd probably only say, there's only 10, 15 episodes where there really was where we really had to stretch and we didn't have a guest and we didn't have anything to talk about. Um, 
you know, I always love Gordon Lincoln in episodes, but when you guys were ranking the all-time NAU top seven, I thought, you know, maybe we're a little light on stuff. It was good. I don't know if it was – it didn't need to be an hour. Maybe it could have been, could have been 10 minutes, could have been 15 minutes there. But there really weren't as many of those as I thought because in between, as you mentioned, the news of someone joining Bowerman Track Club or somebody getting a whereabouts violation – or somebody breaking a, a world record somewhere throughout the world. There always seemed to be at least something to to keep it going. Um, and when 2021 really gets rolling with these races, that'll be more the case. But that'll just allow us to trim down a little bit. Lean and mean, right? That's the mantra here for this year. Yeah, and I was last night was looking into the, uh, the future indoor schedule. Um, and we keep an internal document of all like the meets happening around the country, at least the big meets where we could see fast times collegially or professionally. And I'm starting to fill it out. And I, it looks like there's like a good set of like six to eight meets every weekend starting not this mm -hmm. weekend, but next weekend, which is good. I mean, the basically the big players like Clemson, Virginia Tech, Arkansas, Texas A&M, Texas Tech, they're all having multiple meets. so. There is going to be a schedule, at least in the Power 5 world. The question is, mm -hmm. how will the D3 schools find a place to run? The the lower tier D1 schools find a place to run? Um, that's going to be the question. Because if you're basically a Big 12 school, SEC, ACC, you're good. Or Big 10 even. You're, like, you're fine. The question is, yeah. how are the those non-schools going to be able to get into races. Like even like a school like NAU, we, I keep on refreshing their um, meet schedule and they haven't updated yet. I probably could just text the coach and ask, but I remember talking to Mike Smith like back in the fall and he was like, I don't know what we're doing for indoor because mm -hmm. NAU's indoor track, they don't have this year because it's going to be the football field. So, cause big sky football is happening during indoor this time. So yeah, they are, trying to figure out what they're going to do. Um, but I'm going to be fascinated to see where the non-Power 5 schools get meets in because there's going to be no BU. I don't think there's going to be any UW meets. It's going to be an interesting thing to find. And then also we still have cross-country, right? Cross-country yeah, ain't over. Yeah. Cross-country is going to come back um, later on in end of February and then early March. So, And what about the pros? exciting time. And the pros, yeah. I mean, there, there's the World Indoor Tour. I know Milrose is out. New Balance Indoor Grand Prix is still on, but I feel like that might be on its – that might get knocked out, but I don't know. Yeah. Um, I don't – here's a question. We'll probably end up talking about this. Do you think USA Indoors will happen? I don't have any knowledge on this, so do not put any weight into what I'm saying. I don't think it will happen. But that's just a guess. They don't even have a site yeah. listed, correct? And that was pre-pandemic. They didn't have a site listed. It's not as if a site was already named and then they said, well, I don't know. We, we don't want to do it because of the pandemic. I just don't think they ever had a site for this meet. Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, I don't think they have one. They, they didn't have it. I mean, they always kind of only get a site every two years, right? They like announce every two years, hey, they're hosting it for the next two years. And they haven't done it now for because they're like, hey, we don't need to worry about it. But with no world indoors, 
I think USATF is going to use it as a way to be like, hey, let's not figure out COVID protocols and this, that, the other thing. Let's just put all of our time and energy into figuring out how to get people in and out of the new Eugene Stadium. So is that what we're going to call it now? The Eugene Stadium instead of Hayward Field? It's not Hayward Field anymore? The Eugene Stadium? call it Hayward Stadium. You call it Hayward Stadium, I think. It's not Hayward Field. Do you think if you were behind the decisions here and you had your hands on the budget and you had X amount of dollars to spend, would you spend that on hosting an indoor meet or would you spend it on sponsoring a, an outdoor meet somewhere in a warm weather spot where you could have distance runners, sprinters, field eventers all congregate and get some good marks early season and maybe knock out some qualifiers for the distance runners and field event athletes and for the sprinters, get a good race and, you know, before the diamond league. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's exactly what I, I, the money would be more well spent being put towards outdoor meets, you know, because we always make this joke between you, me, and a few of our other colleagues. There's no such, there's no indoor Olympics, right? And now there's even no indoor worlds. So, right, um, right, right. It's, it, the, 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 we shouldn't be spending time finding ways to get athletes a new weight throw PR or a new mm-hmm. 60 hurdle PR. We should be spending that time to give these athletes an opportunity to get outdoor PRs, outdoor personal bests, to be able to get ready for the Olympics. Because, you know, indoors is a luxury. And in times like this, you need to cut the luxuries and put more time and energy on something that matters, which is getting the athletes ready for a good outdoor season, which I think will happen because we're seeing it happen in all the other sports. You know, I mean, football was able to do 256 games in the 17 week span, we got to be able to put on a track meet. <laughs> so, um, and I just think indoor did because the lack of participation. And I think the lack, I mean, yeah, we will still see some people who would want to do it and you will hear a loud minority just maybe scream like, where are I going to an indoors? But the majority only care about Olympics. And I think the if, as long as you're able, I think they need to cancel indoors but at the same time announce what they're yeah. doing extra for outdoor to be able to let people like understand hey we're taking all of our time and energy that we would have put on indoors taking it like you said to an outdoor meet maybe create two, two to three you know specialized meets to help these people find opportunities you know so people just want to race yeah i mean they want to race because they want to get marks in and they want to get sharp for the season but they also want to race for if they're a professional for monetary reasons but i've never come across anybody in track and field who is just so dead set on indoors like i wake up every morning and indoors is my motivation and i can't wait for indoor season that's my jam that i circle that that those months on the calendar that's where i peak for i don't think that that person necessarily exists there's people who are are better at indoors or have been more successful at indoors but it's always been second fiddle to to the outdoor season and i think this year just exaggerates that gap between those two seasons and if you're looking at from the ncaa perspective between the three seasons because if if given the choice a distance runner has to choose between cross country and indoors like most times they're going to choose to compete with their team in cross country why do we even have indoors like why is that a sport (laughs) 
cold weather, man. We've talked about this. Your neck of the woods up there. Your neck of the woods. You know where there is no indoor track? Warm weather places. But why do we need our sport to be 12 months of the year or 11 months of the year? Like, it's, um, it's, it's cold in, yeah, it's cold in the Northeast. Yeah, we don't have football games in March, you know, because of that. Like, there's, there's no, uh, baseball in February because it's cold. Like, why are, why is our sport not comfortable with having like a true off season? Like, why do we need an indoor and an outdoor? Why don't we just have an outdoor? I don't. I like, guess it's just tradition. Whose idea was it's just tradition. tradition? Tradition, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just the Melrose games have have happened. They're going to keep happening, yeah. right? That's just that's just how it's going to be. Uh, even though they've had to to change venues, the meets in BU are going to happen. They're going to keep happening. It just it builds on itself. And because yeah. so much of running and so much of track and field is dressed up time trials and dressed up practice, you can have those things. And they don't really, they don't take away from the the bigger picture, the bigger prize at the end. And I think of it if you think of this from a uh, from a money perspective, right? It's like the major the major sports, right? They're the they're the rock band, they're the musical acts that can sell out Madison Square Garden or the Rose Bowl, right? They can make a couple, like they can make those main appearances in those big big time spots and make enough money. Track and field athletes more like the the band that goes small town to small town. They play college towns and they play gigs everywhere to try to cobble together enough income. So I think from a money perspective, if you just ran, if you just ran the big meets, right? From a money perspective, you probably wouldn't be doing as well as if you were competing frequently. So it's just a, an opportunity to get a couple thousand dollars here, a couple hundred dollars here. And then you've worked out a way to to survive in the sport and thrive in the sport. So I, I think of it that the, way too. The Eric, the Eric Sawinski model, right? You just yeah, got to run as race. much as possible. Yeah, race yeah. and you make money. Yeah. yeah, which is is obvious, but we don't really think about that as spectators. We don't think about the fact of like, hey, why did this guy just run four times in, in six days? Isn't that going to be shredding their hamstrings? Well, they're making a living doing it that's how they're yeah. doing it and, get a thousand and bucks those, a pop. <laughs> yeah but yeah you add those up you add those up and and that's how you make that's how you survive and and are able to continue in the sport and then give your chance give yourself a chance to to compete at, at the olympics or the world championships or the trials whatever it may be but i think that's that's part of it too track and field athletes by and large are more like a touring band than they are a, a headliner and they need to they need to continue those little those little meets so that way they have spots spots to go to. Not to say it makes sense from yeah. a fan's perspective, but that that's that's how it that's how that's how it's uh, that's how they stay re- stay relevant and, and continue to thrive or survive even. Yeah, I mean, I just think it would be better if you know. Yeah, you can't probably mess with like the NCA world or the high school world, but like. I think world athletics should kill world indoors and create an outdoor calendar, like extend diamond league through starting in January, 
you know, yeah, yeah. and then, you know, I also, I mean, I go bigger and I think you should place world, you should go to the four, four majors model and you replace world indoors with one of the majors, an outdoor major in a warm area town during that time of the year. Hey, do it in Tokyo and connect it to the Tokyo Marathon. You know, I mean, that's what you do. You connect it to the four major marathon, four, pick four major marathons, put four major track meets. The marathon's on a Sunday. The track meet goes Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. People come in for the marathon. They watch the track meet while they're there. Four days, the same way. It's four days for a, uh, a golfing match. Perfect. And, and then you have four championships. Yeah. Yeah, champ yeah. But yeah, give it the fact that you same. I just think about this. The fact that Usain Bolt, the most popular track and field athlete in the modern era, didn't give a lick about indoors is a sign. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, you could extend this to other. Wouldn't, wouldn't he have showed up? And he's like, well, he didn't show up because mm -hmm. he's not, you know, it's not Jamaica. They don't need it. They're outdoors. It's exactly. He didn't show up because yeah, it didn't yeah, matter yeah. because he showed up for outdoors. Anyway. So, yeah. You could extend this. And it's less prominent because none of the big meets happen here, but there is a professional cross country circuit that happens and it's usually confined to Europe. And then the, there's the world championships. And I love the cross country, obviously, but it's not taken seriously at the highest level. World cross country championships is really cool to watch. And it's a cool one-off. It's a cool one-off meet. But if it's once every two years that that event is relevant, that that discipline is relevant, it's hard to build on that. And it's hard to make the argument that you should pour more money into that uh, at the expense of the main focus of the season. And I get the pushback because the idea is like, well, it's sort of like when you're taking away Diamond League disciplines. It's like, is that really going to help? Does getting rid of the discus or getting rid of the triple jump, getting rid of the steeple, does that really help? Is that really going to turn turn be the thing that turns track around? Um so t whenever you take things away, people are going to get get mad because then you're like, well, what are you replacing it with? So I get it. But from an outside perspective, from someone, if you don't follow the sport or if you're just looking at it with fresh eyes, as you mentioned, Usain Bolt never run indoors. Like That's really hard for someone to get their their mind around that. Same thing with – same thing with – wait, you have cross country, you have indoors, you have road, you have track, you have all these different different things, but there's no real cohesive – there's no real cohesive like, – like you could make a – you could make – talking about four majors, right? You could make a system where almost like the different surfaces in, in tennis, clay, grass, yeah. hardcore, where there's a cross-country championship, there's a road championship, and then there's a track championship, and then and, – and you see the same people over and over again, and they're competing three different times. You could make some sort of coherent season – or coherent year out of all these pieces, but right now it's all just pieces because that's how track is. It sort of is all broken off and everybody's got their small little section. Well, here's the thing. Like if you look at golf and um, tennis, mm -hmm. they have four majors. I'm not a fan of golf and tennis, but I'll watch the four majors. I know that golf and tennis have other events. They have like the ATP tour and they have – this mm -hmm. little mini golf tour and like these little mini invitationals that people in the golf community and the tennis community probably like will care about or whatever. But at the end of the day, it's just for like, it's filler for the four main things that people are going to watch. And right now track, 
we only have one main thing that people watch once every four years. So golf has four, has 12 of these every four years, has 12 events every four years that people will watch just because it's interesting. Track has one every four years that people will watch. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could argue maybe people still watch Worlds, so they have three every four years. So golf and tennis have 12 major competitions every four years. Track has three. It's like we need we need to change that three to 12, and it's not by mm-hmm. creating world relays and world half marathons and all this stuff. It's created by focusing the sport. But like you said, our sport's never going to be like that because we're kind of a gig economy type sport, which I like your – I mean – that's literally what people do, even in the like in the local road yeah. racing scene. There's people who are able to hunt two hundred fifty dollar prize money here, there. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> I think we, we need to find someone. There should be like a cool like, we should create a documentary about someone who makes a living purely off of like local road race prize money, and like mm. how they like find the meats, how they get to the meats yeah, yeah. for cheap, and then be how they're able to make a profit. That'll be kind of cool. Like how yeah, they're yeah. able to like, hey, I, I know I have like all the I have all these hotel points, so I can go places <laughs> for free. I know the, what to say in order to get a free, you know, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, air voucher and all that stuff. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Well, this isn't the content meeting. You know that, right? You should pitch that later. The content. I should. A lot yeah, of people. Pitch. A lot of people are hearing this. But, yeah. Don't 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 take that idea, yeah. Intre- intrepid, running journalist out there. Should we get to the topic of the day? Now we've had a nice little warm up here. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. What's the topic of the day? Oh, the news of the day. What about the news of the oh, day? Oh, news. Of we the didn't th- even talk about the news. News of the day. Okay, we have one news item of the day. Which, hey, I'm grateful for anything right now. But uh, Ryan Hill, we talked about how he's leaving Batman Track Club at the end of 2020. Announced yesterday he signed with Hoka Naz Elite in Flagstaff. He'll obviously be their main 5,000 meter runner made the world championship team several times, got silver world indoors in 2016. Uh, I I was a bit surprised that it was Hoka. Obviously with all these things you say, I'm surprised, but you don't know the terms of the deal. You don't know what the, what the contract was like, what the old one, what the new one was like. But I thought with rumblings about a new group being formed in North Carolina and him being from North Carolina, I just I assumed that that's where the path will lead, but Gordon, he is going to go to Flagstaff, your second home. Yeah, and if you kind of low key, I mean, he ran seven thirty eight this in twenty twenty, which is pretty good. I mean, for a three k, uh, I mean his his uh, PR was seven thirty, but seven thirty eight is not bad. I mean. And he ran a 13, 15, 5K. I don't know. Do you think he'll ever be in 13, 0 shape and be a legitimate, you know, contender to make a team in the next three trial type races? Like, you know, this year yeah. and next year and next year after that? I think he's got a chance. I think being on Bowerman, you get overshadowed a bit. Because you have Mohamed running in the 1240s. You have Lopez Lamont yeah. breaking 13 minutes. You have Matt Centrowitz doing what he does. And then you have all the women that are smashing records and making teams up and down the board. So now he's transitioning to where he's 
the main person in this group. I think it'll be interesting. And I'm sometimes the, the coaching change late in the career is exactly what's needed. Sometimes it's, it's not, and it doesn't work out, but sometimes when you're with somebody for so long under that same system, when you have a little bit of a tweak or a little bit of a change, you can see a little incremental improvement. And it's not like he needs to make a huge leap forward to get back there. Right? We're talking about a matter of a few seconds here, a few seconds there for versus, you know, you're third and you're on the team or you're eighth and you're nowhere to be seen in that last lap. So small changes can make a huge difference. So I kind of I kind of like I don't know the reasoning behind it, but I kind of like the the late career one last shot, let's kind of mix things up move. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be 31 at the end of the month. Uh, I mean, obviously, we have seen people in their mid-30s, late-30s run well, but that is more on the the rarer side, I and mean, it's more an exception to the rule. Um, I always I, – I used to – I have like a, a system where I'm able to know that the prime of a typical athlete is age 22 to 26, and if you look at his career – when he, you know, in 2015, which is what, six years ago, that's when he was at top of, oh, 2016, I guess he was world indoor silver medalist. So five years ago, which would be 26, that's when he got second in the world in the indoors. So, you know, is he someone where once he got past age 26, that was basically the end of his prime. And now he's just trying to hold on to it because we just, you know, you know the name, you know he's he's in Bowerman and he's still able to run, excuse me, times that are respectable. But you know, I don't know. It'll be you want to think he can do it, but you know, the odds are not in his favor <laughs> based off of the way typically an athlete's life cycle goes, is they have their peak at twenty two to twenty six, and then it just mm-hmm. goes downhill because age and you know younger kids come up and it's just hard to keep up with that yeah. speed i yeah. i don't yeah i don't see it i just I, think us is too deep but i would rather like to see ryan hill take a stab at like trying to run a 10k you know i mean maybe he doesn't have that type of endurance but maybe he will i don't know maybe well i'm wondering what the adju- what the adjustment is going to be like because you go from a group where you have 1500 meter runners and marathoners and everything in between. So it's gotta be great from a training perspective, whatever you need, you have someone to, to run with and push you in workouts to a group where there isn't as much depth. I'm, I'm wondering how he responds to that, but you brought it up. He ran 1315 last year yeah, in a 5,000 and it was just 2017 that he made a team so many times some of these people come out of nowhere that one last oh man they i can't believe they snagged that final spot and then you look back like oh they only missed one team and for him yeah he'll only miss 20 he only missed 2019 and before that he made 17 16 15 so well he didn't make 16 he didn't make 16 he made no i thought he made 16 no he made no 16 was uh oh right yeah, Chalimo Lamont yeah. and uh, no Chalimo Lagat and uh, Lagat Hassan meet Hassan, Hassan got that yeah yeah Chalimo beat Jenkins by a tenth of a second okay sorry so 
15 though. But he, he made, made 13. It. He made 13, right. 15, 17. Yeah. Right. Which is which is really dang good. And then 16, I'll say 16 was a good year for him, obviously, because he gets the silver medal against Kajelka World Indoors and, and he gets sixth in the in the trials final. That was a kicker's race. Anything could have happened. So he had, yeah, he had that great run there. Um even if he doesn't do anything else, this is a great career because you're making three teams. But I mean, third. I'm not. I don't, I don't want to close the door on a guy who's ran thirteen, fifteen in such a weird, weird year uh, as last year, and is now mixing things up and, and trying to find find something new here for for his last run at it. So, I think he's got a chance. I would put him in the group. That five thousand, you're right, is tough. Ten thousand, we're saying not as tough. Is that correct? Yeah, a little more open. I mean, it's still tough. Don't get me wrong, but like. Hey, maybe he goes out there and has like a Kiro D'Amato type performance in the 10K and it's like, whoa, all right. I found my new new spot. Here's a question. Well, maybe this group, this group maybe is geared yeah. towards I have the, a the longer stuff. Yeah. I have a prediction. Yep. 2021 5K personal best. Tyler Day's time will be faster than Ryan Hills. I think Tyler Day will be the fastest 5K runner on. Uh, PR PB wise, season best wise, at the end of 2021. I'm not saying Tyler will have a higher finish at the trials, but I think mm-hmm. Tyler will have a faster time. That's my prediction. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that helps Hill in terms of train. Like if yeah. Day gets better, that's better people to train with. I think that would that would help him. Listen, didn't Tyler Day cost you a bet a couple months back? Are we are we running that back again here? Yeah. Ooh. He did. He screwed me over. I, <laughs> I was so good at drafting up until Tyler Day, and then D'Amato's like, I have a stomach ache. Ugh, it's the worst. Anyway, yeah. go back to the pod Absolutely. and listen to my, the draft. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I mean, no. I think he's going to do well. I don't know. It's just, you. like, again, 31 is 31, and, like, we, 2017, like, at the same time is a long time ago. Like, what were you doing in 2017? You were living in California doing What was I doing in 2020? I don't know. But I'm my point being my point being he's only been out of the mix for one one year and that was 2019 and he only really raced once that year. That was it. So 2019 was was not a good year for him. I guess the question is if we were evaluating this like any other sport we would say, does this move give him a better chance to make a team? Or does this yes. lessen his chances at making another team? That's how we would I that's think, how we would yeah. evaluate this. But we just I, think it's better I would love that. You think it gives him a better chance? Yes. Because it'll be more okay, focused on him. Yeah, he won't okay. yeah. He'll be able to and I think Rosario will be more open to like letting him because he's had 10 years of a certain type of training under his belt. I don't think Rosario is going to come in and be like, you're doing this, shut up and listen, do this. And then we'll see what happens. I think he'll, I think Ryan will be able to like have a little more veteran, like say in the, in the, in the training. And I think, I mean, Rosario has found a way to get the, the women that he's had on his team much faster track wise. I mean, Yes, his, I, would, I mean, his specialty is longer distance running, but 
the improvement that like Kellen Taylor, Steph Bruce, and all these other athletes have shown Julia by Mock. dropping, yeah, Tully Mock, but like dropping their track PBs is a sign that's like it's not just about twenty six point two for Ben. It's about you know he's able to develop some speed. Um, so, I mean, that's what's going to take for Ryan Hill. He needs to keep on having speed. Like it's not going to be going out there doing crazy tempos all the time. It's going to be him trying to run some fast 400 repeats and 800 repeats and all that stuff. So I'm excited to see how he does. I just, you don't know where his mindset is at. Also, you have to think about like, like you said, if he just 2019, he was injured. So, and he's made 13, 15, 17. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't Jerry know if like, he still has it. Like, would it like I mean, wouldn't Jerry yeah, be like, but, hey, I know Ryan Hills don't contract, but like you don't understand, like it's just a fluke that he missed twenty nineteen. He's gonna be ready to go twenty twenty one. Like I feel like you'd still be at Bowerman if Jerry thought that he was got top three material, right? Yeah, but we don't really know why I mean there's just so many question marks. We don't really know why he left. Now, Jerry is famously forthcoming with all the information. So I'm sure if you call them up, he would just <laughs> give you the all all of the download about what happened and uh, his experience coaching Ryan and what he thinks about Ryan going forward. So I look forward to you filling us in later. But I, there's just so many question marks here. I think another thing that will be interesting to watch, they've obviously trained a lot at altitude, but now you're going to Flagstaff and you're living at altitude. How does he respond to that? Does that give – is he is he a, a super responder? Because there's something to be said – said for that side of it and another thing my last point on this you brought up who it helps i think it definitively helps someone like tyler day who's still learning the ropes yeah. on the pro side of things and i don't know how much they're going to train together or how how that works out but now you have a guy on your team who's made three teams has a has world championship experience and is in your event in one of your events. Like, I think that's huge for, for Tyler day and the other young people who join that team who are learning, learning the ropes. Cause there's just a ton of knowledge that can be passed on from, from Hill's experiences and not just his racing experiences, but just the day-to-day -day stuff that he does. I mean, think about all the people that have come through Bowerman when Ryan Hill's been there, like the people yeah. he's seen train and the little bits and pieces of knowledge that he's picked up. And then now he can share that with the other guys on that group. I think that's invaluable for Tyler day and the rest of that, that crew out there. Yeah. You could argue that the signing of Ryan Hill pretty much means Tyler day is going to finish two places better than what he would have done. Like he's already, he's going to get bumped wow. up two spots. There I don't know is. where it was. We don't know where it was, <laughs> but whatever he finishes at the trials in the 10 or the five, know that if Ryan Hill wasn't there, he would have finished two places worse. I like it. So, so. you're you're basically calculating Ryan Hill's usage rate. Is that what you're doing here? Or yeah. Is... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean I'm just trying to it's, like it's fun to it's fun to speculate. The, it's fun to speculate yeah, and think about. This is also the problem with having an entire year of no running or no like caring or, like tried to run. I mean we had running but not like actual like people could just wash it up like oh it's whatever 
is that like we don't know the status of these athletes as well as we normally would. Like mm-hmm. we don't know what that yeah, he ran 315, but what is that 315? Is that like uh like I'm on the down trot 315 or I'm coming back up 315? Like we have no idea. You can't really tell. So we're projecting all these thoughts. I just we need some data points. We need some new data points on these athletes mm-hmm. for us to really have a, a understanding of the landscape of distance running in America. And I mean, we're probably not going to know. I mean, it's just going to be, yeah, we're probably not going to know who's good until like June 1st when we had at least one mm-hmm. data point from some of these athletes. Um, mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I think it's good. That's it's fair. a good move. It's just an interesting move. It's like you spend the entire life in Portland and then all of a sudden you go on a flag and hey, I think I think it's you know I'm I'm sure the contract is like a one year deal. Hey, let's see what happens. He goes out. What would he need to do in order for him to be like, Yeah, I'm sticking with you know, flag and, and Ben and Hoka and all that stuff? Like, what place would he need to finish? Obviously, if you made a team, it's like okay. But like what non-making team finish would he need to have at the trials for him to be like trust in the process? I think if he's just in the mix again, I don't even know if it's a place. If it's just like he's, you can, he's there with eight hundred to go or there with four hundred to go. So, I mean, I mean, if he's able to run thirteen fifteen or faster, I think you got to say, all right, let's let's keep taking keep taking a crack at it. The main thing is it shows that he wants to keep competing because if he didn't, it's an easy way to end your career. And you say, Hey, I've made a bunch of teams. I really enjoyed the group. I'm going to move on to the next chapter. So the fact that he's going to a new group, I think shows that he still has the willingness to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's worth, that's worth something because you never know. You never know when opportunities are going to open up. You never know when, you're going to have a great race at the perfect time or when something happens to the, the three people in front of you, there's some, some issue that happens and then you're there to take advantage of. We've seen it time and time again, all the weird fluke things that happen in the sport. You brought up Simmons and it's not a perfect analogy because when Simmons was with Brooks, it was just two years before that he got world championship silver. But I think a lot of times we forget how good Nick Simmons was in 2015. He didn't run at Worlds, but he made the team, remember? Because he was, was protesting. It the 15 US- or 17? 15. 15. Okay, 15. Um, but then, you know, but but then it dropped off dramatically. And like 15 was, was yeah. his last year where he was at that level. But 15, he was still pretty dang good. And then two years later, you know, he had he had called it quits. But that was, I think at the time, people might have been saying, oh, okay, he's just going to do one more year or two more years with Brooks and then just cash in. But 15, he was really dang good uh, on limited races. He won USA's. I mean, if he ran at Worlds that year, he could have medaled. He definitely could have medaled that year at Worlds, and it didn't work out. Yeah, that was a boss year, right? It was a boss. That was a Pierre. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was... It, it it would have set up perfectly for 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 Simmons. So I I hasten to make any strong 
predictions about what I know will happen in terms of how long his career will last, other than I think it's it's going to help the group as a whole. And it's going to at least bring some new ideas and new thoughts to him. Um, actually, 15 was Rudisha. Sorry, Boss was 17. Um, yeah, okay. But that so- was the... But this was, and not to say it would have been the same way with with Simmons in the race, but that was a one forty five race. That was a one forty five oh, yeah, race, yeah. and and one and one forty six got got bronze. And again, if he was in the race, we'll never know how his presence would have impacted it. But in a championship race that where it took one forty six to medal, Nick Simmons, that's his, that's his jam. That's his. That's he. He could have done something uh, with that with his tactical acumen. So I don't know. I just think it was interesting. And uh, we'll obviously keep tabs on that and everything else. Gordon, we made it through the entire episode without talking about what we were supposed to talk about, which if you're watching the show, it says 10 races to be excited about in 2021. So congrats on that. Hey, we need to extend it out. We don't have much to talk about. So we'll, we'll, we'll break down our top 10 races to get excited about in 2021 on Friday. Yeah, yeah. Email the pod if you have a suggestion of a race and maybe we'll – Mm-hmm. We'll pick your race. We have our list, but maybe we need to amend it. We have 48 hours to amend the list. Uh, yeah, email pod, flowcheckpodcast at gmail.com. I'm Gordon. He's Lincoln. He's, oh, I called you Lincoln. Ooh. Oh, man. Oh, I'm just so, oh. That's a, I could be so lucky. I already missed him already. Uh, he's Kevin. And uh, yeah, talk to you guys in two days.